Blue Wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa. The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Powder Blue Review. This is episode 23, and just like when you turn 23, that's your Jordan year. This is our Jordan episode. Love it. Gotta love it. Can't believe I'm still doing this again. Appreciate you guys for all the love you guys show me week in and week out so far in this young life of this podcast. Anyway, guys, again, episode 23, this is our preview episode of this week's matchup between the Chargers and the Denver Broncos. It is going to be the team's first divisional matchup of the season, and it's going to be a good one. Even though the excuse me, the Broncos are 0-4, they're not going to ever lay down and die in front of the Chargers. So you can expect a good game come this Sunday, and uh, hopefully, obviously, the Chargers are going to come away with a victory, because if they don't, they're probably going to fall into third place in the AFC West behind the Raiders, who are also 2-2 two and two at this very moment. It's a little bit of a show rundown, guys. Of course, we're going to preview the Denver game, ins and outs of that, things to look forward to. Um, my three things to watch for against the Denver Broncos, just kind of the three themes or players in general that I will be watching the most closely that I think are the most interesting come Sunday. And I'm just a couple questions. Uh, I thought I'd do a little Q&A uh, to end this episode. I think I only got a couple questions, but all questions matter. And I do appreciate those guys who did reach out and ask a question. So here we go, guys. Episode 23, like MJ, stick your tongue out. Let's do it. The Denver Broncos are coming into Rocket Field at Dignity, Dignity Health Sports Park. That's a lot harder to say and remember than StubHub Center. I thought that was it rolled off the tongue way better. But anyway, guys, the Chargers are welcoming the Broncos into Costa Mesa, and they're 0-4. They're 0-4, but I still think this is a team that's better than what you'd expect from an 0-4 squad. Um, looking at the team right now, Joe Flacco's obviously came over from uh, the Ravens in the offseason. Case Keenum was not the answer for the Broncos last year. I don't think anyone didn't see that coming. Uh, and so far, through the first four games of this season, Flacco is 98 of 148 passes. He's thrown for 1,076 yards, five touchdowns, and to three interceptions. So hasn't really been the, the deciding factor, the defining franchise quarterback that John Elway really wanted him to be. Now, the Broncos have a one-two punch at running back. If you remember last year when the Broncos came to Costa Mesa and stole one from the Chargers that were kind of on their own little hot streak in the middle of the year, um, this duo kind of had something to say about that. I believe Philip Lindsay had one, maybe two rushing touchdowns. Um, single-handedly almost won them the game. We just could not stop the run defense, or the running game, excuse me. But that's a theme we've all kind of gotten used to seeing through the years. Lindsay, as of right now, has 213 yards, leads the team rushing, uh, 54 carries, two total touchdowns, while Royce Freeman is second to him with 42 touches, uh, carries 189 yards, and has found Pater zero times on the ground. As far as their receivers go, they've got two very talented wide receivers. You've got second-year Cortland Sutton uh, out of SMU. He kind of broke out a little bit in his rookie season, trying to follow that up with an even better season. He currently leads the team with 309 uh, receiving yards on 22 catches and has two touchdowns. But veteran Emmanuel Sanders can't believe how fast he came back from that Achilles injury. I mean, he's as fast and as, as dynamic as ever, leads the team with 23 catches, but has just 298 total yards and two touchdowns. The, the tight ends aren't something to really 
talk about too much. Noah Fant, he's a rookie out of Iowa, a guy I went to college with for a little bit. Got to see him play a lot through Iowa. Great player, only has 11 catches for, I think, 130 yards off the top of my head. Just scored his first touchdown this past Sunday. Good to see from him. Jeff Howerman is another guy out of Ohio State, been in the league a couple years. Isn't going to do too much in the passing game, isn't going to do too much in the way of deciding how this game goes. Obviously, when you talk about the Broncos, usually it's not the offense that comes up first. It's it's really the defense, and, and, the, and the squad has their handful of star players on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, you can't go anywhere involving the Broncos probably without seeing or hearing about Vaughn Miller. For the first three games of the season, he was held sackless. Well, he had two sacks this just past week. He has 16 total tackles and currently leads the team with those two sacks. Uh, bookend piece Bradley Chubb, fortunately for the Chargers, not fortunately for him, tore his ACL this past week and is out the rest of the season. He had one sack on the year, uh, about 16 tackles as well, and uh, the Chargers will not have to face him, which, which will make things way easier to keep Phillip Rivers on his feet and clean and uh, just in general healthy. Besides Chubb, you're looking at Josie Jules manning the middle of that defense. He's a second-year player out of the University of Iowa as well. Leads the team with 27 total tackles. And this guy was called the outlaw when he was in college. The guy is all over the field, loves to hit, hits hard, and just loves to be around the ball. So he's always going to be someone to look at when you play them. Charles Harris hasn't done much. He is one of the best slot corners, if not the best slot corner. uh, Or potentially second to Desmond King, depending on how much you really view King. But so far, no interceptions, just has 11 tackles on the season. This defense in general actually has zero interceptions, and they're a long, far cry away from that Denver no-fly zone that was kind of popular from roughly 2012 to 2015 with the likes of Aqib Tlaib, Charles Harris, Bradley Roby, Justin Simmons, uh, Ward, I think was the last name of another guy, TJ Ward. I mean, it was a really good defense for a long time, and it's not going to be that. I think this is a game where Phillip Rivers can potentially throw on them. And if you look at the stats, especially if you guys are big fantasy guys, Phillip Rivers hasn't scored, I think, he's averaging less than 14 points in fantasy against the Denver Broncos. He does not throw for many touchdowns whatsoever when he plays Denver. And uh, I don't know, you know, you'd like to think that those numbers will have some positive regression. Again, playing this defense, that's it's definitely not, you know, not your father's Denver Broncos defense. But at the same time, teams always kind of find a way to continue these streaks. I mean, that's, that's why they have trends um, that they are. So uh, you can't put the Denver Broncos past anything past this Sunday. It's just, it's going to be a tough game. The Denver Broncos are going to come out hungry. The Chargers have to come out even hungrier. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just going to be a really good divisional matchup. And I think everyone just needs to um, enjoy it to the fullest while we're still able to watch Rivers and uh, some of these star-star players take the field. Looking at the Chargers through the first four weeks of the season, they averaged 22.5 points per game. That is 14th in the NFL. You'd like to see that number go up, especially if they can learn to score in the second half of their games. Obviously, that should go up into the top, maybe the top 10 by the end of the season. They average 403.8 total offensive yards. That is fifth in the NFL. That's a little bit better of a number you'd like to see. 300.2 passing yards. That is third in the NFL. And I think at the moment that Phillip Rivers is, yeah, third in the NFL. Of course, that makes plenty of sense. Um... So he's up there. Rivers is still slinging it. But on the ground, the Chargers are only averaging 103.5. That puts them at 18th below average in the NFL to this point. But here's the deal. 
the Chargers haven't needed to run the ball. And as long as they can continue to throw with as much success and their running backs are able to catch and do other things that aren't just running the ball between the tackles, I think this team can be super, super successful. Rivers is currently at 1,254 passing yards, seven touchdowns to just two interceptions. Austin Eckler, as dynamic as ever, 56 carries for 220 yards and three touchdowns. Also adds 24 catches for 270 yards and another three touchdowns. So he's already at his career high in touchdowns through the first four weeks of the game. Continues to have more receiving yards than rushing yards. And uh, and that's just Eckler, man. He's the number one graded running back by Pro Football Focus. Again, I don't know what how you, much salt you kind of take with those rankings, but number one is number one for a reason. Keenan Allen leading the NFL in receiving yards with 452 on 34 catches and three touchdowns, already halfway to the total touchdowns he had in 2018 and 17, respectively. Mike Williams, even though missed last week's game, is still second on the team in receiving yards with 157, has just eight catches on the year and zero touchdowns. And the craziest thing about like looking at these receiving stats is Keenan Allen is... First, obviously, with 34. Second is Austin Eckler with 24. And then your third and next closest is eight. Mike Williams and Dontrell Inman both have eight catches as of right now. And obviously, we won't see any more of Inman as he's been placed on IR earlier this week. But that's insane. Talk about a monopoly on targets. But that's Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. On the defensive side of the ball, Thomas Davis is still one of the leading tacklers in the NFL, leads the team with 38 total stops, and has a single sack to his name. I believe that was two sacks, both were split in half, so obviously gets the one. Joy Bosa is second on the team, tied with Brandon Faison, with 20 total tackles, leads the team, excuse me, actually is second in the team right now with two sacks, and he is second on the team in sacks only to Desmond King, who has 11 total stops, has two and a half sacks that he got just this past Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Also has the fumble recovery, that huge play he made at the beginning of the Texans game. He's been a dog, man. Desmond King's been so good for this defense, and it's been absolutely incredible to see how consistent, and especially with all these injuries, man, he's an unsung hero, and I'm just so glad he's on this team. Uh, Some other notable stuff, Rayshon Jenkins, Mike Davis, and Casey Hayward are all in the lead for interceptions on the Chargers with one apiece. Mike Davis having come back this past Sunday, uh, first time he's been on the field since week one, where he played just five snaps into that game before injuring his hamstring, came back against the Dolphins and snagged his first pick. So good to have Mike Davis back. Uh, Hopefully we can get Casey Hayward back as well. Um, I know he's been dealing with a back injury this week. And we'll get into that, uh, the the injury report here. Um, This is being recorded on a Thursday, and it will be out for Friday listening. But uh, we're going to be as updated as possible at this moment on the injury report and get that out to you guys. Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. And why should you have to? Men look so much better when their suit fits them. Not just fits, but fits them. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit, so you also look great and feel great. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400, and the process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can also get measured and design your own suit at your nearest Indochino showroom. 
Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for a made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it can be expensive, and there's just way too many carriers to choose from. So how do you know you're making the best choice? This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, whether it's on Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even on your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. As I'm recording this, unfortunately, the Thursday injury report is not out. So we're going to go over what happened on Wednesday and kind of speculate what we can expect. First up, Nasir Adderley did not participate yesterday on Wednesday. Again, this is not a good thing. This is another setback to a guy who we want in the starting lineup more than anything. Unfortunately, he cannot stay healthy to even get back up to speed the way the coaches want him to. Michael Badgley is still dealing with a groin injury that has kept him out this entire season. Uh, Because of Ty Long injuring uh, his plant foot, the team went ahead and signed Chase McLaughlin, a former kicker out of the University of Illinois. He spent some time with the Bills in the preseason. I think he was signed off the Vikings practice squad. He will most likely kick field goals, kickoff, place kick, and all that this Sunday uh, against the Broncos. Hunter Henry did not participate, but he was seen jogging around and running some sprints in shorts and uh, doing some drills with a knee brace on. Melvin Ingram, who injured his hamstring against the Dolphins, did not participate, but according to Anthony Lynn, he has been in the ear of the coach all week because he really, really, really wants to play against the Broncos. Justin Jackson is dealing with a calf injury. He no longer has a walking boot on, but he also did not participate on Wednesday. Travis Benjamin was a limited participant with a hip injury. Thomas Davis, limited participant with a groin injury. Virgil Green was back to practice today, also dealing with a groin injury. He was limited. Mike Williams was limited on Wednesday as well with a back injury that kept him out this past Sunday. Hopefully, they are able to get him back. I do not want to face the Denver Broncos defense in their secondary without at least one of your top three or four wide receivers. 
Casey Hayward was a full participant, still dealing with a little bit of a back injury. Uh, and then actually, based on some tweets I saw prior to recording this, Hayward did not practice today. Still dealing with a back thing, was a full participant yesterday, had a uh, maybe a setback, I'm not entirely sure, but did not practice Thursday. Ty Long is a full participant, still kicking, just to rest that plant foot when he kicks and kicks field goals and kicks off. Um, they're going to obviously let McLaughlin do that. And then Denzel Perryman, a little bit of a neck injury, was a full participant yesterday. I believe he was a full participant again today on Thursday. Came up slow after a hit against the Dolphins, but he looks to be just fine. Moving on to this week's three things to watch for against the Denver Broncos. Number one for me is how much will Von Miller solely by himself affect this Chargers offense. So even without Bradley Chubb, Von Miller can single-handedly take over a game if he wants to. He is a transcendent talent, a generational talent, and he can essentially do whatever he wants at any time. He is just that good. Von Miller will obviously face Trent Scott and Sam Tevy. If he, they move him around, he will face both, but I think for most of the time, he is on Sam Tevy's side as the left outside linebacker. So it's going to be a bad day. I truly think it's going to be potentially a bad day. Sam Tevy is actually not that bad in the run game. He's very athletic, and especially when they pull him out into space to be a lead blocker, he really does some good things. Some of Melvin Gordon's longest touchdown runs from a year ago, Sam Tevy played a big part in those. Him, Derek Watt, as much hate as Derek Watt gets, they do have their moments, but he's not a good pass blocker. He's not good fundamentally, and when you're going up against a... uh, Again, generational talent in Von Miller. It's not going to be a fun time. I expect Von Miller to actually get multiple sacks in this game, and I believe both those sacks are going to come in the second half. I think he is going to make this game by himself closer than it really should be. Number two on this list is I will be watching the matchup between Keenan Allen and Chris Harris extremely, extremely closely. In 2017, in their first matchup, Keenan Allen posted a 5 35 and one stat line. Okay, so he got that touchdown, not a lot of yards, not a lot of catches. In their second matchup, he went three for 41 and zero scores. And if you remember, that was the game the Chargers actually blanked the Denver Broncos uh, 21 0. In 2018, in his first matchup with the Denver Broncos, Keenan Allen went nine for 89 in a touchdown. So a much better stat line, one that we'd probably expect to see uh, in this year or last year. Uh, excuse me, that was last year, of course, 2018. And the second matchup of the year, the one that they won against the Broncos, where uh, it was kind of a snoozer offensively. Uh, Keenan Allen only put up four for 64 yards and zero touchdowns. So as you can see, he's been able to get into the end zone just in one of the two matchups against the Broncos each of the past two years. But, you know, hasn't gone over 100 yards. The highest is 89, second to that is 64, and then you've got a 41 and 35. So, this is a tough matchup. Even if that defense isn't the same, Keenan Allen will probably have his hands full with Chris Harris. And as much as Keenan Allen works out of the slot, Chris Harris is one of the best slot cornerbacks. So he's going to have his hands full, and it's going to be a big heavyweight fight. And I think maybe this matchup specifically could have or pay big dividends on how this game actually ends up when the end of Sunday comes. The third theme I will be watching extremely, extremely close is going to be simply what Chargers team shows up. Because if they come out as the team that has played in the first half of essentially 
every game so far, minus, I guess, this past Sunday, I think they're going to do pretty fine. If they come out and play like the team in the second half against the Colts, in the second half against the Lions, in the second half against the Houston Texans, it's not going to be a good day. But if they come out playing as the team who played in the second half against the Miami Dolphins and put teams away that they should, then I see no reason why the Chargers shouldn't walk out with you know a not-close victory against the Denver Broncos. I think a lot of people probably think this game is going to come out uh, or end up being way closer than it should. And that's kind of what you come to expect as a Chargers fan, especially if you've been following this team for quite some time. That's just what they do. So yeah, I need to see them have a fast start. They need to come out, score on their first drive, first drive or two. They need to stop the Denver Broncos first couple drives, no points whatsoever. And then I think they just need to try to find a way to carry that. It's just... Not every team is able to do it. They get up and they kind of take the foot off the gas and try to coast to victory. This is not something that the Chargers can do. And they've obviously gotten in trouble having done it in week two and week three against the Lions and the Texans. It cannot be that way this week. And I have a good feeling Anthony Lynn will get these guys in check, especially understanding that how many guys are injured. I mean, there's there's so many guys that have to be in the mindset of, I have to step up. I have to make plays this week. It's on me if, you know, some of the veterans and stuff can't go. So I expect people to be dialed in and especially a division game that wasn't, you know, right off the bat. And it's, you know, a couple weeks have gone in. They're in the groove of things. They understand how important this matchup is. Then, yes, I think the Chargers will be ready. And I think we will see the type of Chargers team that we want to every single week when they get out there on Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and end this episode with just a pair of questions that some fans asked um, at the PB Review Podcast Twitter handle. Again, go follow that at PB Review Podcast. And the first one comes from at Mike Royce 34. So Mike asks, why isn't Lamp the starter and why isn't Nasir Adderley getting playing time? And these are two obviously super frustrating questions and bits of information that we all really want to know the, the dirty, dirty truth on. But what we've gotten so far is that Lamp hasn't been the starter because they don't want to fix what's not broken, even though what's not broken is also not very good. And so Dan Feeney has done, I guess, enough to stay the starter at left guard, but was really cool to see against the Miami Dolphins and Forrest Lamp got in in spot duty at the end of the game at left tackle and also saw one meaningful drive at left guard in replace of Dan Feeney. But a lot of people think that was actually just because Feeney needed to get off the field and be checked out for a potential injury or something like that. And in the case of Nasir Adderley, the coaching staff keeps saying that he missed too much time during training camp. And so he's behind and not just behind on the playbook and I guess knowing all your responsibilities and duties and this coverage or that coverage but also he's behind on earning the trust of his teammates and you know I don't want to call BS on that stuff but at the same time if Roderick Teamer has you know apparently the right guy hasn't missed that much time and it has been there for what he's needed to be there for it obviously didn't pan out I mean the guy was not ready to start in the third game of this season against the Texans And I would tell you right now, fully believe 100% that Nasir Adderley would have been prepared. Because there's a difference between a guy who prepares well, you know, it's the whole, I don't know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I don't know, whatever the hell that phrase is. Um, 
Nasir Adderley is a good football player, and sometimes it's not about whether or not they know the playbook for sure. Sometimes you got to let guys get out there and be football players, and that's what Nasir Adderley is to me. And quite frankly, I think he deserves more playing time going forward, and hopefully we can all see that here, hopefully in the next game or two. The second question comes to me from Stephen Dean, and he asks, how confident are you in Anthony Lynn's ability to correctly manage games? And I will say to this that I'm actually extremely confident, but I understand I can't expect perfection because he's still, it's his third year as a head coach. He's done a good job so far. Um, There are some questionable calls, challenges, uses of timeouts, but nothing blatantly terrible that has cost the team a win. So yes, at this point, I'm I'm totally more confident in him. I'm more confident than ever uh, in McCoy. Never trusted McCoy. I definitely trust him more than Norv Turner as well. And we had some success with Norv Turner. But at the end of the day, I think Anthony Lynn is a special coach. I think you need to give him a little bit more time if there's some things that you don't see that you like right away in him. But at the end of the day, he's different. And he's shown that in his locker room culture, how he speaks to the media, how he treats his players and talks about his players. And it's a lot of no BS. And that's kind of what you want. And that's what fans want from their head coach. So that's just the pair of questions I got for today's short little Q&A. If I do another one, I probably won't do it unless there's more than two questions. But I really want to answer these questions for those who did take the effort and time out of their day to ask me. And with that, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Powder Blue Review, episode 23. We are finally in October. I'm recording this on October 3rd. It's spooky season, guys. It is fall Leaves are going to start changing. It's going to start smelling like football in the air. The holiday season is going to be here before you know it. Tidings and greetings and joy and all that good stuff. Uh, So once again, appreciate you guys stopping in. Don't forget to go on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave that five-star review. Like, subscribe. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Guys, this has been a blast. I appreciate it. This has been Michael Peterson for another episode of the Powder Blue Review, and I'll see you guys next week.